Hey everybody, I'm Ryan, and it's good to be here with you tonight. Uh, here's what I'm excited about. I'm excited that we are still new into this thing of being a church together and figuring out what that means. Uh, and I'm excited that uh, we're all coming from all of our different places with all of our different stories and experiences and things that we've been through. And I'm excited that even though we're new into this, that we've been starting to do it long enough that as I look out, uh, I'm not so much seeing just a sea of strange faces, but I'm seeing people that are starting to feel like family. And that means a lot to me. And so I'm really excited that we get to come together week upon week and get to hear and learn from God together and be challenged and stretch and grow. We can also share our stories and share who we are afterwards, be real with each other and be able to grow closer together. So that gets me really excited. And early in this process, we are. We're just still learning what it means for us to be a church. Uh, what are the things that we should be doing? How should we be go about going about acting together as a community? And so to figure this out, we've been diving into the book of Acts together. Uh, and Acts is the story of the early church, the original church, just doing what we're doing. They're learning how to be the church together, right? They, they sat through, they experienced the life and the example and the teachings of Jesus and the radical things that God was doing in the world. And then they were starting to figure out now what does it look like for us to live that out together. And so we're looking at their story and we've been doing that and we're uh, diving back into that tonight. So tonight we are going into Acts 10 for our story and you have it in your programs. You can have your scriptures. There's gonna be a lot to this story tonight. Uh, this is a story that I had some... Uh, recollection of, right? I grew up a pastor's kid, so I feel like I heard about like every sermon on every passage that was possible throughout my childhood, and then went on to study uh, in school and everything, so got a lot of this, but I don't feel like I ever really looked at this full passage, and so as I was diving into it this week, uh, this story just became so fascinating to me that it's become uh, one of my new favorites, so I hope you enjoy uh, this story and what we have to learn from it tonight as much as I have, so uh, starting with Acts uh, chapter 10, verses 1 and 2, that first section on your card there, here's how the story starts off. It says, At Caesarea, which was a town outside of Jerusalem, uh, there was a man named Cornelius, who was a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing, and he gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. All right, so right into the story, we're already presented with our first uh, character in this story. It's not characters, these are people, but you know what I'm saying. We have our first character in the story, and that is Cornelius. And we're told that Cornelius is Roman, and he's a centurion, which is a soldier. So at this point in time, the crowd who would be hearing this uh, would probably start booing, right? So if you're putting together a resume of the classic bad guy in this story, uh, this is a good way to do it. So the Jews had hard feelings for the Romans, and they had hard feelings for the soldiers who had come in and taken over their land. So people would not be feeling very good about this guy Cornelius uh, right from the beginning. But then, in verse 2 then, it goes on, and it starts uh, to become like this checkbox of a resume of things that God uh, would really be looking for, right? Uh, he's devout, check. Uh, he's God-fearing, check. He gave generously to all I need, check. He prayed regularly, check. Right, this guy is checking off all the right boxes of the kind of guy uh, that God would think very highly of and the type of God, uh, person that God would hope him to be. But this description is actually nothing more than this, yeah, but. Because 
the only thing that really mattered to the Jewish people who would have been listening to this on his resume was the fact that he was Roman and he was a soldier. So yeah, he was devout, but still not a Jew. Yeah, he was God-fearing, but still a Roman. Yeah, he was giving to the poor, but, you know, still not a Jew again, right? He was doing all these things, but all those things could never be good enough. So this great description is almost like a backhanded compliment from your granny, you know, like, well, Johnny tries hard, you know? You know, Cornelius, uh, he, he means well, bless his heart, right? Uh, he could put all the effort into pursuing God, into checking all these boxes. He could put all the effort in doing all these things, but because of who he is, he can o- never be anything more than a good example of a not good kind. So this is Cornelius. And Cornelius then goes on, and he has a vision from God that God sees him and sees his faithfulness, and God sends a messenger to him, and God says, hey, Cornelius, you need to meet this guy, Peter, who's the next character in the story, right? And Peter, we know as the disciple Peter, who has followed Jesus around for a while, learning from him. So God gives him this, this vision and says, hey, you need to send some messengers. Peter's in another town nearby. Send some messengers. Go out, get Peter, bring him back to you, and I want you and Peter to connect with one another. So our story continues from there in Acts chapter 10, verses 9 through 14 in that next section. On your card, we pick up the story of Peter on the flip side, right? So it says, about noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He then saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat these animals. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. All right, so uh, God shows to Peter, and God gives Peter this vision, right? So not only has Cornelius had a vision from God, but Peter has also had a vision from God. And his vision is that there is this blanket coming down, and it's full of all these animals uh, that God is telling Peter, hey, go ahead and go on out and be, be willing and be able to kill and eat these animals freely. Uh, but Peter freaks out when God tells him this because Peter says, no, I would never do such a thing because those animals you're telling me to go out and eat, are you tricking me, God? Because I know that those animals are impure and unclean. So those aren't words that we use very often, at least not anywhere near the same way that they used them back then. So before we can go any further, we're going to have to take a step back and we're going to have to have a good long talk about what it means for things to be impure and unclean. The reality is that every culture has some version of these types of concepts of clean and unclean. Uh, What it often is, is things that are culturally appropriate or inappropriate, right? Things that are normal for us or things that violate our social norms is kind of similar to how we would uh, talk about this. The whole show Seinfeld, uh, for fans of Seinfeld, Seinfeld couldn't have been what it, w- what it was if it wasn't for these concepts of things that were socially appropriate and socially inappropriate, right? Uh, you had uh, roles on there like you had the close talker, right? Uh, the people that stand too close when they talk and everybody else gets freaked out. You had the double dipper, right? Uh, that is so throughout the rest of our culture now that everybody talks about du- double dipping 
right? Because they were putting their finger on the reality that there are some things in our society that we see as out of bounds and some things that we see as in bounds, right? So we have these concepts, and they do in all culture, uh, these ideas of things that are clean and unclean, in bounds and out of bounds, even if we don't use the same language, right? Uh, and usually, there's some root in what cultures think is good and healthy and non-destructive, right? So if we really think that close talking is a problem, there's probably something deep inside of us that believes that if we spend too much time talking too closely to each other, the world will be a worse place overall, right? Uh, so we, it, it, these, these ideas that we have as culture are rooted in something deeper uh, as to what, what really produces the best kind of life. So for ancient people, uh, they had these conversations about things that were clean and unclean. But it was less conversations about whether things were good or bad, and more conversations about whether things were in their proper place. For example, dirt. Is dirt good or bad? Well, I don't know. <laughs> is dirt clean or unclean? Well, that depends. If dirt is outside, it's clean. If it's in my kitchen, it's not clean, right? There are places that I, dirt can be, and I'm cool with it, and there's places that dirt can be that I'm not cool with it, right? So it's not that dirt is good or bad. It's about where the dirt is and whether it's in spots it shouldn't be that bothers me or not, right? Uh, there's all sorts of other things. Uh, this is kind of crude. Is vomit good or bad? It's neither. If it's all that stuff is inside of us, we don't think twice about it, right? Like when you vomit, everything that comes out has been sitting in there the whole time, and you, you weren't bothered by it. It's only when it comes out of you do you get all freaked out by it, right? It's not good or bad. It's just whether it's in its proper place or not. Uh, I watch uh, a lot of sports, and you see um, football players, soccer players, basketball players, and they'll walk around, and they'll just, like, blow their nose, like, out in the field. And it's a little gross when I see it happen. Like, honestly, it's a little gross, but it's not that gross. But if that same football player walked into the center of the room right now and just blew their nose on the floor, like, I would probably find that unclean, right? <laughs> I, I don't know about you. Uh, it's about things being in their proper place. If things are in their proper place, clean. If things are out of place, unclean. So like us, the Israelites, they build these barriers in their life to keep things separated. These barriers to keep things in their proper place, whether literal barriers or figurative barriers. And they didn't like to see those boundaries crossed. It was like my dad when he goes to the all-you-can-eat buffet and he's a little OCD, right? So like he gets all the things on his plate, but he literally will like carve channels so that like the gravy... Did anybody, Angela, you like that? Right. Uh, you know, you, it's good to have everything, but you need these boundaries to keep everything in the right place. And they did not like when those boundaries were crossed. So the ancients, uh, they didn't like, for instance, mixing fabrics of two different kinds together. You didn't mix stuff like that. Ladies, yoga pants would not have been cool for the ancient people, mixing those fabrics together. Unclean. Or certain kinds of animals. Right, there is this understanding that animals, like, obviously, should be awake during the day and should sleep at night. And so if you ever came across an animal that was awake at night and slept during the day, is what we call as nocturnal, then you stay away from those kinds of animals because you don't need that kind of weirdness in your life, <laughs> was how they thought, right? Unclean. Or maybe birds. 
right? Birds are supposed to eat like worms and insects and stuff like that. That's, that's a normal bird. So if you came across a bird and this bird is eating other animals, or even worse, if you, like, like an eagle or an owl, or even worse, if you come across a bird that's eating dead animals, that's not right. You stay away from that kind of bird. That is unclean. It's not in its proper place. It's not acting as how it should. Are you getting a, f a feeling for clean and unclean? But for Israel, it actually went even beyond that because you have God coming into the picture. And God came along and required them to write down and obey these purity laws. Why? Well, some of them had really good purposes to keep the people safe and healthy and away from destruction. We know now that it probably wasn't a good idea to eat pigs without a thriving health code in place, making sure that you cook them to the proper temperature, things like that, so they stayed away from pigs altogether. So in some ways, maybe God was encouraging them to, to find the path that's going to lead them into the most life. But also is about perception of destructiveness, right? Because God's people were supposed to be a reflection of God to the world. And if God is a God who is full of life and full of goodness and, and, and full of health and all these things that he desires for his people, if that is the God, then his people shouldn't be the ones running around doing things that everybody believes to be harmful. That's bad PR, right? It's going to lead people in the wrong direction. If you're looking for a health and fitness coach, uh, you might find somebody like uh, Dan or Nick who are in a church. Nick has a, a CrossFit gym, and the guy is huge. Just looking at him, he is a good advertisement uh, for CrossFit. You know, you see him, and you're like, I could look like him if I do that, right? Uh, probably not for me. Um, but if, if you saw me uh, running a gym, and you saw how I eat, and you saw how I live, and you saw how I don't exercise, you probably would not trust me to come to my gym, right? You probably would want to stay away from that, right? So God wants his people to be living lives that other people see as reflective of life, reflective of goodness, reflective of the things that they understood uh, to be good. Uh, one final note, just real quickly on this. Uh, as God uh, gave them the law, he didn't just repeat the things they already believed to be good or not. He actually took those things, and in the laws he presented, he stretched them. He pushed them into more grace and more goodness in the midst of the laws of the things that they already understood. And that is a conversation for an entirely another day, so hopefully we can get to that at some point in the future, uh, but that's a pretty complicated one. But just know that, that God is always pushing into more goodness and more grace. So the result of all that is you have the people of Israel, that they had their social norms of how people back then thought about life. And on top of those social norms, uh, those things became God's law for them. And so the barriers that separated the clean from the unclean started to become something that was very important for them. It was important that they follow, that they not violate those things as they understood them. It was something that they would pursue. I totally lost my thought. Where am I? Okay, back to the story. All right. Uh, so Peter, uh, in this story, as God is talking to him, Peter sees the animals as unclean, right? So what that means for Peter is they were on the other side of the barriers that he had up, on the other side of the barriers that he had in place and when he saw the, the animals on the other side of his barriers of clean and unclean, it wasn't in the cheap dieting sense, right? 
Uh, we were vegans at one point in time, like Robin still is, like more than me. Uh, so in that time that I was a vegan, bacon was on the other side of my barriers, right? Uh, it, was, it, it was over there. It was something that I wasn't participating in. It was something that I wasn't touching. It was on the other side of that barrier. But even though it was on the other side of that barrier, like I was still like longing for it, right? <laughs> you know, I was waving at it, saying, I'll see you soon someday. You know, someday we'll be reunited again. Uh, it may have been on the other side of the barrier, but, but not really, not entirely. That, that is not the kind of being on the other side of the barrier that we see from the animals, that we see from the story of Peter here. It wasn't in the cheap dieting sense. Uh, it was more like how we see dogs or cats as food or whatever kind of animal that Goofy is. Like, I don't, I don't know what kind. He's not a dog because Pluto's the dog, but... Uh, but anyway, like, whatever that is, it feels a little different to us to talk about eating those kinds of animals, right? Because for us, those kinds of animals have been put into the unclean category. So we can connect with this a little bit, right? So Peter is being asked to eat these animals uh, that though we may see fondly now, for him, it was a repulsive thought that violated his culture and his norms in so many ways. God's command to him is disruptive in his life. It disrupts his food, what he eats. It was disruptive to his culture and what was normal and what felt comfortable to him. It would have been disruptive to his friendships. Imagine having people over for a dinner party and serving dog. Like, you could see how that would complicate your friendships a little bit, right? So for him to be told to eat these, eat these foods when none of his friends got that same message necessarily, that compromises those friendships. It compromises the very idea of what was good and healthy. And that was very difficult for Peter to hear God disrupting his life in that way. Let's continue. Verse 15 and 16 says, The voice spoke to him a second time, and said, do not call in anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. So God's talking to him, and Peter's saying, God, I don't want to do this. I don't feel right about it. This does not seem like the path for me. Have you not read the scriptures that you gave us? And God keeps coming back to him and says, don't call anything impure that I have made clean. Don't build barriers where I am tearing them down. Do not divide that which I am uniting. Three times this happened because Peter was so disturbed. This concept of clean and unclean is so deep that though God himself is telling Peter, he still struggles to comprehend it. I mean, it's in the scriptures. It's there in their tradition. It just makes sense in general. But God takes those barriers and smashes them. And Peter's way of life is disrupted by the movement of God. Let's process that a little bit. Think about how jarring that might be if it happened to you. I mean, you have barriers in your life, things that are on the inside, things that are on the outside. Maybe it's in your cultural preferences. I've heard people talk about certain styles of music as though it's on the outside and other styles of music that are on the inside, just in the style itself. Maybe you have some of those. Maybe you have interpretations of the Bible or you have some things that just you've always assumed are on the inside and are appropriate interpretations and you have some things that you've always assumed are on the outside. 
and inappropriate interpretations. Maybe it's people that you have on the other side of barriers in your life. Maybe there's people that you find disgusting, people you're afraid of that ends up on the outside. Maybe it's somebody who has hurt you. Maybe it's just somebody who has drifted so far away that eventually it's as though they're on the other side of some barrier that you can't even see and you find yourself separated. What would it be like to have God come to you and say to you, those barriers are not my barriers. Let those barriers go. Stop separating yourself from that or from them. Let my goodness and justice flow in you. How would that feel? Maybe it'd be a relief. Maybe it'd produce some anxiety. Maybe it'd produce some fear about what life would look like if you let go of those things that have kept you safe or protected or insulated. Let's return to the story. So Peter has this vision and this argument with God, and while he's processing that, the messengers from Cornelius arrive and interrupt Peter. And they, they come to Peter and they ask him, they tell him who they are, and they say, hey, we'd like you to come visit our master Cornelius. And God affirms to Peter that he should go with them. So Peter uh, takes up and he does go with them. We can pick up the story in verses 23 uh, through 28 in the last paragraph there on the first side. The next day, Peter started out with them. And some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea, and Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up and said, Stand up. I'm only a man myself. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. And he said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or even visit a Gentile. So Peter arrives, and he faces more barriers when he arrives. And the first barrier we see is the doorway. He mentions to him, he says, Hey, Cornelius, it's good to be here. It's good to see you. But it's actually against our laws for me even to talk to you or to enter your house. I'm not supposed to associate or visit with you. And this is because Cornelius, again, was a non-Jew. He was born not Jewish or Gentile, as they called them. And because he was born a non-Jew, he was automatically unclean for them. He was on the other side of a barrier, or many barriers for them. And it wasn't just Gentiles that were on the other side of the, these barriers. And how the Jews were thinking at that time, the Israelites, they had all sorts, they had a whole uh, ranking of pure and impure, of clean and unclean people, of those inside the barrier and those outside. The list looks like this. Uh, at the very top, you had the priests. So it goes from cleanest to most unclean, right? You had priests at the top, then you had Levites, which is like a special family group, and then you had full-blooded Israelites, uh, the, just the, the average full-blooded uh, person in the nation of Israel. So that's kind of the baseline. And then from there, we're going down uh, into the increasingly impure category, right? Uh, so then from there, you had illegal children of priests. 
then Gentile converts, then people who were converts who used to be slaves but now are free. Uh, then another category down, you had uh, bastards, which that for them is people born through incest or adultery, not like your neighbor who lets their dog poop in your yard all the time. <laughs> so you had bastards. Then you had the fatherless, which are people born of prostitutes. Uh, then you had foundlings, which are kids that just got, that they don't know who the parents are, that they, you know, like dropped off of the doorstep kind of a thing. Then you had eunuchs made so by men, then eunuchs who were born that way, then those of deformed sexual features, then hermaphrodites, and then all the way down at the very bottom, then you had non-Jewish people and Gentiles. So they had quite the barrier movement going on among them. And Cornelius found himself as a Gentile, which meant he was the worst of the worst in their clean and unclean system. He was at the very bottom through no fault of his own, even though he was devout and God-fearing and prayed and gave and cared for other people. He was at the bottom of the list on the outside of every barrier just because of how he was born, regardless of his character or pursuit of God. Can you imagine being born and being on the outside of community of faith through no lack of effort of your own or no fault of any action that you have done but because of how you were born or because of the actions of your parents before you or because you were born different physically or mentally in some way. Can you imagine Peter says, it's against our law for me to talk to you or to enter your home or to visit you. There's barriers there, and in fact, you're on the other side of all of them. But Peter walks in anyway. Why? Verse 28 and 29. Again, he said, he has said to them, you are well aware that it's against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile, but God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. This is what I call a record scratch moment, right? Is, have you ever seen those movies where everybody's just like talking and having a good time and there's music going on in the background and then somebody says something weird or off the wall and you have that like record scratch and everybody looks at them weird like, what are you talking about, man? Right, this is a record scratch moment. Peter says, I'm not supposed to talk to you. I'm not supposed to visit you. But God gave me a vision that said that all people are not to be considered unclean. And the record scratch comes. And everybody stops and gets quiet and awkward and looks at him. And, and then somebody in the back speaks up and says, that's not what your dream said, man. And, and, then, and then somebody else says, yeah, we heard it, man. He was talking about animals. He, he, he was talking about animals not being unclean, not people not being unclean. What are you talking about, Peter? But Peter says, no, as I understand God's message to me, as I understand the character of God, I understand him to desire these barriers between people to be broken. And then next, Peter listens to the centurion's story of how God has led him the point that he's at and he hears him out and he listens to what he has to say and then we pick up in verses 34 and 35 on the back side of your card 
says, then Peter began to speak, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. He says, I now realize. It now makes sense. I now have that vision that Jason was talking about last week. I see differently than I used to see. This disruption that took place in his life has led to this awakening within Peter for him to see things differently. And so in the story arc of his life, you see Peter that considers the scriptures that are there. And then in addition to considering the scriptures, he sees the life and the example and the teachings of Jesus. And then on top of the life and teachings of Jesus, he has this vision from God that he hears the heart of God in this vision. And then he listens to the story of others. And all these things lead him to this awakening, to this realization. The barriers that were dividing were no longer valid. The only important thing is for people to respect God and to do what is right, he says. And here's the thing. If that extends to the Gentiles at the bottom of that chart, then that means it extends to everybody else in the middle as well, right? If it can go all the way down, then it runs all the way through. That God is breaking the barriers. So to summarize maybe this story and to borrow from one of my heroes, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., the story is about Peter who had a dream that one day all men would not be judged by the color of their skin or their place of birth or their physical or mental characteristics or the actions of their parents or their own past history, but instead by the goodness of God flowing through them. And so next, he starts to tell these people the story of God's goodness, the story of what Jesus is doing and what he has come to know about the goodness of God. And as he tells them this, we get Acts uh, 44 and 45 at the end. It says this, While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. And the circumcised believers, that's the Jews, who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. The Holy Spirit of God came on the people. For them, at that point in time, the Spirit of God coming on people was like God's stamp of approval, that these people are with me. These people are with me. What he's saying is that even though Peter saw a dream about animals, and animals being clean or unclean, but he heard the Spirit of God, he heard the heart of God in that dream, and he applied that to knowing that God did not want barriers to divide us from each other, but he wanted his love to flow to all people, and Peter applied that message and extended the goodness of God to these people, and God's Holy Spirit came down upon them and said, yes, I am in this, I am with this, you're getting the message clearly. And we see the other Jews that were with him, and they were astonished. They were surprised. They were disrupted. Things didn't happen as they expected them to happen. For us today as a church, the church, we believe, is supposed to be the body of Jesus, continuing his work here on the earth. 
And if we believe that we're supposed to follow the examples of Peter and those in the church that have gone before us, then what does it mean for us to be a church? For us to be a church, we should be a community that pushes through the barriers to see God's love flow through into the lives of all that desire it. As we close, we're going to have the team come back forward. I want us to spend some time just briefly thinking about this. So on your card, there's some think about it questions. And as they play, I want us to think about, first of all there, who or what may be on the outside of your personal barriers? What are those things where you have barriers in place that things are on the inside or the outside? And second, where might there need to be a breakthrough of God's love and goodness in a way that might surprise and disrupt your life, similar to what Peter and his friends experienced? process those things as we move forward. As we close, I invite you, uh, just echo the invitation to stick around and join us afterwards. And in our time of talking and fellowshipping together, we grow closer to each other, and hopefully cr closer to God in that process as well. As you process uh, the passage from tonight, uh, maybe uh, different people in here may be hearing the story and receiving it differently. Right? There's many in here, uh, perhaps, who resonate with different sides of the story. And so tonight, as we close, for those of you that resonate with the story of Cornelius and you feel like you have been pursuing God with your life but have often found yourself on the outside of barrier after barrier, may tonight you know and feel the grace and peace of a God who extends his love to you without boundaries and without barriers. And if you have felt and known and experienced the love and goodness of God in your life, then may you echo the challenge of Peter to take that and to extend that love and goodness to all that you come into contact with without barriers. Grace and peace to you. Have a good night.